Welcome to Rebuilding. This podcast is designed to help the church rebuild its walls one person at a time. For more information, check us out at www.piercepoint.org. So over the last two weeks, Nathan has been talking about knowing God and being known by God. And I want to just quickly go into just a little bit of a recap that over the last two weeks that we've had about those two things, knowing God and being known by God. Uh, many people know about God, but may not know God. So it's vitally important that we don't just know about Him, but that we actually know Him. Uh, how, how did we come to know God? Matthew 16 says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, Others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Well, Simon, Simon Peter, who was always pretty bold and outspoken, said, you're the Christ, the Son of the, of the living God. Jesus answered him, and he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. We came to know God through the revelation of the gospel, the Father himself reveals to us that Jesus is the Christ. There's no other way. Ephesians 1, starting at verse 13, it says, In him you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our, of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. Paul kind of lays it out for us right there. You heard, you heard the gospel, you believed, and you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Romans 1, Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the, of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then in Ephesians 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith. That's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Lots of scripture today. I'm going to try to read through the whole Bible, by, by the way. I did not tell you that. <laughs> Just joking. I'll do that next time. Uh, Romans 4. But to the one who die, who, who does not work, but believes in him, who justifies the un ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. For this reason, it is by faith, in order that may, it may be in accordance with grace, so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So we learned in week one that we come to know God through the revelation of the gospel of Christ, and while it's proclaimed through flesh and blood, the revelation comes from God. We're commissioned to proclaim the gospel and to make disciples, teaching them to obey all that Christ's command. Paul says in Romans 10, 15, how beautiful are the feet of those that preach the good news. Now, Paul talked about in, in 1 Corinthians also that God chose the foolishness of preaching 
to bring about the wisdom of God. Now, maybe you've never thought about that verse before. Maybe you, uh, maybe you don't, it, it hasn't sunk in. Uh, hopefully, uh, uh, that I don't, uh, you don't think about that and it comes to mind after, by the time I'm done because it may get to some foolishness. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 5, 5.17 says, uh, talks about God reconciling us to himself through Christ. He gave us the ministry, ministry of reconciliation. So who better to bring reconciliation than those who have been given and been reconciled to God? So that was week one. Week two, we learned that while knowing God is certainly important, that it's, it may be more important that God knows us. Galatians 4 says, however, at that time when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by, which by nature are no gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? Paul was placing the emphasis on that Christians have come, have come to be known by God. Nathan talked about an important evidence of being known by God, and it's, 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 it's how we respond to the gospel. Romans 12 says, Therefore I urge you, urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable, and perfect. We learn that those who are known by God will love God, and the children of God are going to observe all that he commands. Sometimes it's easy just to say, all you got to do is just love God. You also have to observe and do all of the things that he said, too. 1 John chapter 5 said, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this, we know that we love, the, we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. If you love God, you'll obey and you'll be known by God. So, that's kind of a recap on the last two weeks. Our scripture today is going to come from 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 2 through 8. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything, Underline that, everything pertaining to life and, and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises that we just sang about. So that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. 
Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence. In your faith, supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in, and in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. Paul says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We live in a time when the majority of Christians don't believe that they have been granted everything uh, pertaining to life and godliness, or at least many of them don't live like they have uh, been given everything. There's a major issue if we proclaim that we are his children and that we know God and God knows us, yet we don't live like we believe God's word. There's a major problem there. Uh, when, when you ponder what Peter said in the scripture that we just read, it may seem impossible for us to attain. Uh, P- Peter says that we can be a partaker of the divine nature. That, that, that means that word partake, it means that we're going to share, actively take part in it. That's, that, that's big. A partaker of the divine n- nature of God? That's huge. That's huge. Look at what Peter says for us to do. He says, first of all, we have to apply all diligence. Now, the Greek word for diligence is spudazo. Spudazo. That's a cool word. I like spudazo. This means to quickly, with extreme haste, to do something. So when you apply all diligence, quickly, extreme haste, like it's urgent, do this. So he says, this means with extreme haste in your faith, and faith is trust, and that's all. You guys remember that? Have you heard that before, by the way? (laughs) Faith is trust, and that is all. It starts with faith. And in your faith, supply moral excellence, not moral, moral mediocrity. We have a world that lives in moral mediocrity, or they define it the way that the world defines it. Our culture cannot redefine what God has already defined. It cannot redefine what God's already defined. He says, in, in, in your uh, excellence, knowledge. And that's not a worldly, worldly knowledge. That's knowledge that comes from God. Knowledge that comes from his words, from his scripture. Uh, that is, it's backed up by the scripture. By the way, scripture that's in context too. Don't be out there, don't be running around talking about stuff that's not in context. <laughs> don't, be, don't have your life verse mean so, be, be something that you don't want it to mean, okay? Right. Look it up in context. Uh, and he says, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, not staying the same, are increasing, we need to mature in our faith, you will not be useless or unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord. That's a tall order. I, I, I wonder, did Peter actually think that we can even come close to this? He did. He absolutely thought we could come close to this. He says, if this is a part of knowing and being known by God, if we don't believe that, we're going to be in trouble. If we don't believe that we can actually do what God says, we're going to be in deep trouble when it comes to us knowing, 
or being known by God, we're going to need some help. So with that, I want to take just a few minutes to look at God's Word and hopefully give you some insight and some encouragement into the role of the Holy Spirit as it relates to knowing and being known by God. So we're going to be spending some time in the book of John, chapter 14. But before we read it, let me give you some context and background on what we're going to be reading. Jesus had just had a foot washing. He had washed his disciples' feet. Then he, he tells them that one of them is going to betray him. And he's going to go away. Now, Peter, as, as we said earlier, he's always bold and outspoken. He told Jesus that, Jesus, I'll go with you. If you're going somewhere, I want to go too. And Jesus said, no, you can't go with me. And then he told, then he told the group and told Peter that Peter was going to betray him. He's willing to go with Jesus, but Jesus says, no, you can't go. As a matter of fact, you're going to deny me three times. The disciples didn't understand what was going on at this time. I mean, think about this picture that they didn't grasp at all what Christ was saying to them at this point. Uh, they needed some comfort and they needed some encouragement. Jesus has told them that, that he was leaving and boy, did they need help. John chapter 14, Jesus says this to them. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Thomas, didn't, he didn't get this at all. Listen to what he says to Jesus. Lord, we do not know where you're going. How are we supposed to know the way? How are we supposed to know where, where you're going? We, we don't even know where you're going. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. This was still not making any sense to them. They're still in a little bit of a state of despair. They don't understand all the words that Jesus has just spoken to them. Obviously, they weren't connecting the dots. And then Philip chimes in, verse 8. Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. <laughs> That's, my goodness. Philip, are you, show us the Father. That's going to be enough. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that, am I, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? You know, I'd like to believe that uh, if Jesus stood in front of me and, and said, don't let your heart be troubled and that I would completely trust what he's saying, that I would have peace. I, I have an idea that I would probably be more like Philip. <laughs> I would be like, Lord, I don't, we don't know anything about this. I, uh, Jesus had to give them some more details, and they had to understand so that they could understand his plan that he was not going to leave them helpless. 
John 14, verses starting at verse 15. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Jesus had a deep love for these men. He wanted them to not only understand the plan of God, but he also wanted to let them know that he wasn't just leaving them. He wasn't deserting them. These next few verses give us some insight into how much Jesus loved these guys. He said in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. Man, that's some encouragement, isn't it? In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has, who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who, lo- who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and disclose myself to him. Paul taught us in Romans 8.15 that as a son of God, we are not slaves. We have been given a spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. This should make us want to stand up and shout praise the Lord. This should make us, we should have some, we, you know, we have some families in this church that know a little bit about, about a, uh, the, the, the adoption. And we, we know that, that when we hear that, say, that God say that he has adopted us as sons, Romans 8.16 says the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. You may be sitting here today and thinking, there's no one in this world that loves me. There's no one in this world that cares about me. But I'm here to proclaim to you that there's a God in heaven that loves you. He loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. He was willing to become sin on our behalf so that we could become the righteousness of God. The righteous given for the unrighteous. The holy given for the unholy. That's how much God loves us. If these guys listen to what Christ says, if we listen to what Christ said, we're going to gain some encouragement. We're going to know that he didn't leave us as orphans. You can be adopted. You can become a a child of God. Jesus said that one of the roles of the Spirit is to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Even, you know, even as Christians, we don't want to hear that the Spirit of God is going to bring to light any unconfessed sin. Nobody wants to hear that. And that we can only become righteous through Christ. But this should be a message that that brings joy to our hearts. Thank God for His Spirit that comes. These these verses make me think (laughs) of the children's song that, that many of you have sung over the years. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I'm so glad that Jesus loves us. Did you know that Jesus loves you? I know that Jesus loves me. Do you know the height and the width and the depth of that love? My goodness, it's awesome. We cannot fathom that, that God would send his son to die on a cross for us. So who is this helper that Jesus talked about? And what does he do? 
let's first get a basic understanding of what the Holy Spirit is. First of all, and this is going to be some basic stuff for you, this is, we, we believe in the triune God, the three in one, God the Father, God the Son, who is Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. In Hebrew, the singular word for God is El. The dual tense for that same name of God, El, is Elah, E-L-A-H. And to indicate three or more, the word is Elohim. Elohim is the word that was translated in Genesis 1-1 for God, Elohim, the three in one. Genesis 1-2 tells us that the Spirit of God was involved with creation. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the spirit of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving on the surface of the waters. Matthew 3 talks about uh, the Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. At the baptism of Jesus, now I want you to hear me, this is Matthew 3, 16, for those of you that want to look, at the baptism of Jesus, all three persons of the Trinity were there. Did you know that? It says, after being baptized, Jesus came up immediately out from the water, so Jesus was obviously there, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God, the Spirit was there, descending as a dove and lighting on him, and behold, a voice out of the heavens, God the Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Second Peter talks about the Spirit moving on men of old to write down what, what, he, what God was wanting us to know. He says in, in uh, 2 Peter 1, 21 and 22, but know this, that first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no, no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. Men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Romans 8 says the Spirit was instrumental in the resurrection of Jesus. He says, but if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Do you know that your mortal body is going to die? But with the spirit of God, you're going to have spiritual life. Romans 8, 14. For all who are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. The spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. We're not orphans. Jesus didn't leave us with fatherless. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. A lot of people like the being glorified with him part, but they don't want to they don't don't suffer for him. The Holy Spirit is a teacher and a helper. John 14, 25, I told you we were going to read through the whole Bible. I, I may have, we might just do that. <laughs> Says this, these things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Have you ever struggled with trying to proclaim Christ to someone and not knowing what to say? Do you know you can rely on the Spirit of God to bring the words of God back? Do you know that? God will send His Spirit and will bring those words to you. Now, that is not to say 
that you shouldn't, you shouldn't study and, sh- and show yourself approved. You should have a, a working knowledge of God's Word. But man, if you're there and somebody asks you something that you don't know, rely on the Spirit of God. That's part of what He does. The Holy Spirit doesn't have a memory issue. He's fully able to bring back to our memory all that Christ has taught, all that He taught. It says He'll teach us all things. In fact, the Spirit of God, do you know the Spirit of God knows every word that's written in the Bible? He knows everyone by heart. Uh, you can rely on Him for help. Jesus knew that the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit would bring, would bring understanding to these men. He knew that, that they needed teaching, they needed guidance, they needed peace. He says in verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Jesus knew for certain that his followers were fearful and needed peace. He knew they were going to first face persecution at the hands of men. And, you know, we are blessed to live in a nation where uh, persecution of Christians is generally not as open as, and obvious as it was in the, in the days of Christ. Uh, Jesus knew that many of them were going to be killed for, for their faith in him. They needed peace. We don't see people in this country necessarily being openly killed for their faith in Christ, although if you follow the news, you're likely aware of incidents where Christians are targeted at times, but we're not being dragged out of our church uh, and thrown in jail for preaching Christ. Our persecution is generally much more subtle. We are inundated with a culture, uh, with a message that says that everyone is good. Uh, We're going to seem very odd to that culture when we say, but that's not what God's Word says. We're going to seem very odd to that culture, to this culture. Make no mistake, we're just as much in need of the peace that comes from the Spirit of God as they were in the days of Christ. We're just as much in need of that peace. Some of the issues of following Christ haven't changed from 2,000 years ago. Listen to what Paul told the church at Galatia. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. If we don't want to carry out the desire of the flesh, we need to be walking by the Spirit. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, Paul says, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, actions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. (laughs) I'm probably making friends and influencing people right now. (laughs) So how should we walk if we're walking by the Spirit? What does it look like? 
to walk by the Spirit of God. Paul goes on in verse 22. He says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. I want to take just a, just a few minutes to talk about this further, about walking by the Spirit. There is a, a research organization out in California, the Barna Group, started by a man named George, Bar- George Barna. They do polls about uh, different things in Christianity. So they team up every year with the American Bible Soci- Society, and they do a, a, a phone poll. They call about 2,000 people, and they ask them, you know, how many times a day do you read the Bible? How many times a year or, or a month or a day? And one of the things... And these are just random phone calls, so they're not, they're not uh, necessarily Christian or believing or not believing. They're only basing these things on what the people tell them on the phone. So it's over 2,000 people, so, and uh, so there's, there's no targeted group here. Uh, they go into a little bit more detailed questions, and one of the things that they, they, that they ask, I think, I think gets to the heart of the matter about walking by the Spirit of God. One of them is a a category that they call the centrality of the Bible in your life. Now, let me tell you what that means. That's people who say that they interact with the Bible frequently, and it's transforming the way they deal with other people and shaping their choices. Sounds pretty good, right? If, If the Bible is having an impact on how you treat other people, and it's shaping the things that you choose to do, okay, that's pretty darn good. That's better than a lot of folks. So in 2018, the number of the people that fit that was about 9% of the people polled. It was about nine, while, while there was probably a 40% that said, oh, we read the Bible every day. But only 9% said the Bible was doing anything for them. It didn't change the, the, the things that they chose to do. It didn't change the way that they dealt with other people. Only 9%. That was in 2018. In 2019, this year when the poll was done, that dropped down to 5%. <laughs> yeah. So while I'm not a huge fan of these types of polls, it does give us some insight into our world today. It gives us some, some idea of what this culture thinks about God's Word. If we walk by the Spirit, we have to understand what God's Word says. This is... Uh, we have to be able to put it into a daily practical use. We have to understand what God's Word means when it says that we have to walk by the Spirit. Uh, this isn't the only issue by, by any means. It's not the only problem with walking by the Spirit. But without the guidance of God's Spirit, as we look at His Word, when you read God's Word, if you don't ask God's Spirit to help you, it's just going to be reading another book. It's just another book. But when the Spirit of God comes, you know, it takes the author of the book to tell you what the book's all about. Do you know that? It takes the author to tell you. So the Spirit of God moved upon men of old as he was led by God, because he's a part of God, the triune God. It takes that Spirit of God 
to interpret what he says here. And if we will allow that to happen, we'll walk by the Spirit, knowing that we're following God's Word. We will walk by the Spirit. This is not a new problem, as we talked about. Paul spoke to the church at Corinth about this. 1 Corinthians 2, he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of, words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. If Paul spoke and relied on the Spirit to be able to, to tell people what God wanted them to do, we need to do the same thing. We need to understand that we need God's Spirit. He's going to provide peace. He's going to be a, a leader, a teacher, a guide. We can attain all of the things that Peter talked about before. We can become a partaker of the divine nature of God. I never, I would have never believed that. Never believed that. But it's God's Spirit. He says, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. He goes on to say in verse 9 of 2 Corinthians 2, but just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. Well, you think by that, you don't know, it's like, okay, it's not entered the heart of man, you don't know what's going to happen. But he says, for to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. Verse 10, for the Spirit searches all things, all things, even the depths of God. You want to know more about God? Read his word. Ask the Spirit of God to tell you more about God. It searches the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. We need the spirit of God. We cannot ever get to the place where we think we can walk this walk on our own. It's going to take the Spirit of God. When we talk about knowing and being known by God, it's going to take that helper, that teacher, that leader, that guide. It's going to take that for you to be able to walk that. The world that we live in today, you can go, you can go on Facebook and all of the awesome positive memes and all of the things and, and all the things about thinking highly of yourself and, and all of those things are positive thoughts, but it's not going to help you walk by the Spirit. It's not. It's going to give you a good attitude, but it's not going to help you walk by the Spirit. It's important for us to know and be known by God. If we know and are known by God, we will love God and His people We'll obey all that he commands. We'll follow after everything he says. However, we're, we, we can't operate in our own strength. We have to realize that the Spirit of God has been, made, made, has been given to us so that we can rely on his teaching, his guidance, his wisdom. We are not left alone. There's so much more to the Spirit. I, I'm telling you, this was not an exhaustive thing. I, I, there's, there are hundreds of other things that the Spirit... I didn't even go into all the gifts of the Spirit and all of the different things that God does through His Spirit. But 
I want you to know, first and foremost, that, that God's Spirit will, will come by you. He'll, his, his, his Spirit, the word for Spirit in the Greek is parakletos. And that parakletos is, that is uh, defined as someone who comes along beside you and walks along with you. He'll walk with you. He'll be with you. He'll be by your side. You're going to need the Spirit of God as you walk through this world. You're going to need it. Jesus knew that we would live in a world that would oppose him and his teaching. If you haven't experienced that, all you got to do is just look around. Some of the things that are going on in our world. He said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you too. I urge you to allow Spirit of God to do a work in you. I urge you to allow him to teach you and, and guide you. When, you. when you read God's word, I would urge you to say, God, send your spirit and show me what you want me to know out of this word. For many, many years, many, many years, I, I'll, I'll tell you just a, a little, I, I read God's word and it, was, it seemed uh, for those of you that don't know, I, my background, I, I wasn't raised up in church. Our, our family just did not go to church. The only one that ever took me to church was my grandmother. And uh, that was, and I stayed with her a lot. And she was probably one of the greatest influences on my life. So I had no background in God's word. So when I read what little bit that I ever did, I never really ever recall ever opening up a Bible and reading anything other than John 3.16 and uh, uh, when I was in, my grandmother would take me to church, and uh, uh, they wanted all of us to learn a Bible verse, and uh, I found out that the verse, the whole verse, Jesus wept, I, I had that down, and I could <laughs> quote that like that, Jesus wept, and my grandmother thought it was awesome. So anyway, back in those days, it, it, it was like a fairy tale to me, and I feel like that sometimes... We read God's Word and we don't understand that it's real. We don't understand. It seemed like it was just like reading Grimm's fairy tales. I had no idea that God was real. I am so, so thankful that God will send His Spirit and He will show you and tell you and teach you that He's real. God is real. God is real. So I, I, I would just urge you when you're reading God's Word, ask the Spirit of God to interpret it for you. Ask the Spirit of God to lead you and guide you into the truth that he wants you to know in it. Amen? Amen. Thanks so much for listening to Rebuilding from Pierce Point Community Church. We hope that today's podcast will help you become a more connected part of Christ's body. Remember to check out our website at piercepoint.org for more information.